The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Never let a woman hear you say that she ate a pile of french fries. This is the TRT Community Podcast where we discuss all things testosterone. I'm Brandon, founder of the TRT Community and host of All Things Testosterone. The TRT Community is a Facebook group of patients helping patients navigate the struggles associated with testosterone replacement therapy. We have educational resources at testosteronepodcast.com, including TRT-related clinical studies and a doctor search tool. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. What's up, man? What's going on? Not much. Got Mike here. Uh, We're going to chat with a fitness expert today. Greg Damien. You heard of him? I haven't. Yeah, me neither. Uh, he's an author, a motivational speaker, a health and fitness influencer, and coach. His mission is to assist men over 50 overcome perceived limits of their age to look and feel younger. And he does this by applying his four-step D-O-L-R system. Uh, we'll get in a little bit later as to what that is. He holds three degrees and was enrolled in a a biomedical engineering PhD program. He's an NASM certified personal trainer and a certified sports nutrition advisor. In 2004, and I thought this was interesting, he performed 495 pull-ups in a single hour in an attempt to break a world record. In an hour. In an hour, yeah. intense. And he also won a half marathon running race. Are marathons not always running races? Um. I think they have speed walking, don't they? Oh, okay. Power walking, whatever. I don't know. Uh, in his 50s, he won two bantamweight bodybuilding competitions. As a triathlete, he was ranked in the top 8% in the U.S. in his age group. And at the age of 60, he stays in the best shape of his life. Well, that answers my how old are you question. He's at least 60 when he wrote this bio. Yeah. All right. Well, here he is. Let's talk to him. Let's go. Greg, how are you? Doing well, thanks. Oh, doing well. I was going to ask if it's Greg or Gregory, but your name there says Greg. So first thing I need to know is uh, this world record pull-up attempt. What was the record? How, how short were you? Uh, the, the world record attempt was about 500, just about 500 pull-ups in an hour. So you're pretty and close. I was really close. <laughs> but when you're done, you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I mean, I had a few more minutes, and that's how close it – and I've – you know, in, in non-recorded events, I did 600, okay. right? But, wow. you know, and, and really what, what does that work out to? That works out to 10 pull-ups a minute. If you can drop, jump on the bar, do 10 pull-ups every minute for 60 minutes, that's 600 pull-ups. Yeah. And I, was, and I was able to do that in practice. So, you know, that day it just didn't quite work out. And it wouldn't have lasted. Yeah. <laughs> as I say, I think the record now might be over 1,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really kind of exploded. Yikes. So was that your, uh, is that what you did? You did, like, did you not knock out 10 every minute and take a little break and 10 more pace yourself? Well, yes, exactly. Um, and something like that, or maybe every 55 seconds, you're, you know, you've got a clock right there. Um, but that's the idea. You need, you can't hang on to the bar. So you get up, you do what you can do. You don't want to overdo it. Uh, 
and then drop off and, and then get some recovery. Yeah. And now maybe there's another technique. Maybe that's how these guys have gone way beyond that, but that's what, that's what me and a few other guys at the time were doing. So you, um, you hadn't always been fit, right? You had some sort of big shift go on. Yeah. I, in, I mean, in high school, I weighed 118 pounds. Wow. Right. And I was sort of late developing late bloomer for sure. Um, and I, I wasn't, a, I mean, I played a little tennis and I wanted to be, I wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to play, you know, the traditional high school sports and well, I mean, I'm, I'm also five, four, so I wasn't going to play basketball. <laughs> football wasn't really a, I played football when I was uh, in second grade and that was enough of that. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I was just a little kid, you know, and, and um, Fortunately, I guess for me in today's world, I don't have to make my money with my body, right? We're not in those those days anymore. So yeah. I was able to I was able to use my brain to make a living, which is you know grateful because a hundred years ago that would have been a lot harder. <laughs> right. Uh, what What did you do professionally, or do you do? Um, I was trained as a mechanical engineer, and and part of my um, and I went to school. Um, I went to literally university at home, university of Alabama in Huntsville. And, and we called it university at home because I didn't go away yeah. to school. My father was an engineer. So, uh, it, it, there wasn't a whole lot of thought necessarily put into that other than it was relatively easy for me. Um, I, I was really good at math and, and so being able to apply it in a way that people wanted, right. was, it just made sense in, in that sense. But I also have an MBA. I did an MBA in information technology from Indiana University. Okay. So, yeah. Was there a certain age that you became became fit? Um, you know, if you were a scrawny kid, when did you actually develop some muscle? What happened for me is, is after I got out of out of engineering school, I moved down to Florida, and uh, and part of that was. And I came from a home where there was, there was a, my father was a pretty heavy drinker. And I used to drink a lot as a teenager. I wasn't even that socially capable, I suppose. <laughs> but once I got into my 20s and down in Florida, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, this alcohol stuff is just not bad. Yeah. But I knew it wasn't good for me, and I'd seen what it had done for my father. And I guess I was pretty fortunate because I had a friend at work that invited me to go run with him. And he was a marathoner. And come to find out a, a lot later, he was a recovering alcoholic. And maybe he had some sympathy for me or whatever. But he invited me to run, and, and I was able to go run with him for uh, for three miles. And he's like, yeah, he's like, that's pretty good. Most people can't come out and run with me for their first time for three miles. And and I started to to go run with him more regularly. Well, that began to, to clash with the uh, the drinking, right? Because I began to see, hey, I don't I don't you know run or, or ride as well. You know, it kind of sounds kind of obvious, but when you <laughs> feel it, then it becomes more real, right? Mm-hmm. And there was one, and, and there's one particular um, event coming home from work one day. I'd gone to happy hour, and I'd, I'd had a few. I don't know how much, but enough to where I was driving kind of, kind of crazy in traffic, and not was, wasn't even really characteristic of me. And that little voice inside me said, you "Better, you know, what are you, what are you doing? You want to just, just slow down." So I did, and I look over to my right, and there's state troopers staring right at me. And fortunately, I wasn't pulled over, but 
you know, I, I realized I needed to make a choice, right? That was kind of one of those moments where, hmm, you can go down that path. And I kind of see what it's done to my dad. And maybe I want to try another path. So I wouldn't say I was, you know, completely alcohol free for the rest of my life. But I, I really set that aside. And, and a lot of people would say I cross addicted over to exercise, <laughs> right? Yeah. At that point, because at that point I'd seen the benefit. Um, I did a couple of races and it was fun and, and I could be athletic, right? Where I hadn't really been able to be athletic before. So that was, and that was in my twenties. So that was, you know, quite a while, quite a while ago. Yeah. What was your first race? My first race was a, a five mile race down in uh, Miami um, that my friend invited me to. I ran, I remember, I mean, I, I mean, I, I remember all, some of the details. I, I ran 40 minutes. So it was an eight minute mile was what I was able to do for my first race. And subsequently in a, my, my, I was a good runner, but not a great runner. I mean, great runners run uh, a 10 K sub 30, sub 30 minutes. Right. I got to 37, 18. I ran, a couple of five eighteen miles, so pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. Not you know, not too shabby, but not like world class or anything like that. I did win um, one half marathon race when I lived in Denver. Um, there were, in all fairness, there were about three hundred people there. It wasn't a great time. I ran about an hour and twenty six minutes or something like that. But hey, win to win, right? <laughs> yeah. With that elevation, that's tough. Yeah, well, yeah, I lived there, so I was used oh, to okay. it. And, and and the course was uh, um, literally my home course. It was in the park that I lived right next to, which is cool. So I knew the, the route, and it was really kind of cool because there was one guy ahead of me, and I knew what was going to happen with the course and how it was a bit of a downhill. I'm like, I'm going to catch him there, and, and sure enough, I did. And um, Yeah, when they, they did a little – it was the U.S. Half Marathon. I don't know if it still exists. They did a little write-up, and the dun-dun-dun part was they they congratulated the uh, the woman winner – and they, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, Greg, Greg won. The <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. How is, oh, uh, well. how's a marathon in Florida in that wet, muggy air? Is that uh, harder or easier than in Denver? <clears throat> Here's what I discovered living in, in a high, high altitude, low humidity environment like Denver was that going down to sea level in a humid place was hard. I, I wasn't, I, I, you know, you acclimate to where you are. And when I was in Florida, I didn't mind. I, I, I was, I was okay with the heat and humidity. And of course you just learn how to, how to work with it. Um, but making that transition, um, was, was hard. So one of the best half marathon, I live in Phoenix now, but one of the best half marathons that I had was when I lived in Denver, came here to Phoenix to do a half marathon same humidity, but 4,000 feet lower, right? Yeah. So that that played to my advantage, yeah. And yeah. I, had a good, I had a good race that day. And, and Vegas as well, right? Similar sort of situation. Yeah. So yeah. your um, DOLR approach to life, dream big, own your own life, live well, recharge often. Can you walk me through some like some samples of what that would look like in a, in a practical way? Sure. Everything. So dream big is the first step. And... And I, I believe this applies to essentially everything that we do in life starts with our, our beliefs and our intentions about it. Right. So, you know, DOLR is a, is a, is a process that, that 
can be used really to achieve any sort of health fitness goal. So let's be clear about what we want and why, and, and let's not be bashful about it, right? And that's the dream big part of it, okay? So that's coming out of that, and, and, and really, you know, we've all heard about SMART goals. But they're really powerful. I've used them a lot. I've, I've been on, on, on bodybuilding stages and done, you know, half Ironman events and this sort of stuff. Those kinds of really defining moments are really helpful because we know when we did it and when we didn't. And, and so I like, you know, creating those kind of goals. Uh, own your health. Well, the, the, the dirty reality is, is that nobody cares about our health as much as we do. It's not our doctor's job to to keep us to make us healthy. It's not our spouse's job. It's our family's. It's not, you know, our personal trainer or whoever we're working around. It's our responsibility. That's, that's the key. That's the, the Jocko Willick uh, extreme ownership approach, right? That really, at, at the end of the day, um, I own my health. Now, the, the opposite side of that is there's a team, of, there's plenty of people out in the world that are willing and ready to help me um, if they know what I want, right? I've got it. So I got to be clear about it and communicate and I've got to engage them. So I, I encourage people to be conscious that their health is their responsibility. And yet there are plenty of folks that are available to help, right? And that's, so that's the, the, the kind of, that's the dichotomy of it. And I also, um, want to emphasize that insurance shouldn't be an excuse. Right. The, you know, the smartest and healthiest people that I know say, yeah, I use insurance when it's convenient, but I don't let that dictate my health. Yeah. Right. So now there's obviously there's practical limits to some of this stuff. I use a, uh, uh, an HSA, right. To, to be able to help drive and dictate. I, I do at least any annual blood work and I'll, and I pay for a $300 male panel, um, so that, so that I know what's going on and not, not just the $25 we used to once a year, right? And, and that's a maybe a middle-of-the-road approach. There's people who take it a lot further than that and spend thousands of dollars every year, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's a personal choice. Live well. Live well is where we translate um, our beliefs and our, our ideas into action. And, and, of course, that's part of it is diet and exercise. But that's not the, the only parts of it. Um, relationships, stress management, uh, are, are, are really important aspects as well, right? It's about how we, how we go about our, um, our daily life. And then the, the last, um, point recharge often is, of course, sleep, but I also include prayer meditation and, and spirituality. So spiritual practice as ways to, uh, to improve our overall well-being. I was hoping for tropical vacations. <laughs> well, hey, the, you know what? Um, motivation and rewards are really a good thing, yeah. right? And so maybe I want to set something like that as a reward for something that maybe I'm not quite so excited about having to, to lose some weight or whatever it might be, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I've currently got on the line a weight loss a weight loss challenge with my in laws, brother and sister in law, me and my wife versus them. And uh, the loser pays for dinner at a Brazilian steakhouse. So okay. look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you define the loser in that case? Uh, well, I, I guess we would all be winners, right? But whichever couple loses the, <laughs> loses the least amount of total okay. body weight percentage, they would lose. Yeah. yeah. 
They tried. Cool. Their, their son tried to get it to be the loser pays for the couple's tropical vacation. And we were like, well, yeah. hold on. Let's, how about we start with dinner? <laughs> so, so, you, so you wrote uh, the book, Abs at 60, Four Steps to Look and Feel Younger at Any Age. Um, what you're, you are, you look phenomenal. I mean, in the, the cover of the book, you've got your ripped, you've got the abs, the pecs. I mean, you look great. Uh, out of curiosity, what was your body fat percentage when you took those pictures? Those pictures, um, I didn't get measured specifically. And of course, you know, there's, there's several different ways to get measured. I'm estimating I'm probably around 7% of the pictures. Okay. And what do you walk the I, world I said, daily? Yeah, normal. You know, I can, my body set point is, is pretty low in general. I, I don't deviate a whole lot. I've probably 8%, okay. just a couple percent higher than that. So, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm normally able to, to show off some abs, but to get nice, clean pictures like that, I, I diet, right? And I, yeah. I, um, and I exercise and it's definitely some effort to be able to get that down there. Yeah. Did you reward yourself for getting to 7%? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have a specific reward other than I just wanted those pictures. Yeah. That was really what I was after. Yeah. Right. So even for you, the, from the 8% to 7%, it's, it's still, yeah a challenge. Yeah. I mean, you know, so that's still a couple of pounds. Um, and I, my body just does not want to change. Mm. Right. And I think people have that, you know, it's a similar situation yeah. and, and we have to be careful about just the scale, right? Because yeah. the scale is only part of the story as we know, right. Dexter scan can tell us more information about body composition and how much lean mass you have. So, you know, I, I would spend, when I was getting ready for those pictures, I was pretty conscious about it for, I would say, you know, um, four to six weeks of like, I'm, I'm going to be really careful about what I eat. I'm not going to overeat. I'm going to make sure I get more cardiovascular exercise than, um, than, than I normally would. And I, and I also maintained the, the weightlifting as well through the process. Mm -hmm. And I get grouchy, right? If I'm hungry, <laughs> right? Yeah. And my, my girlfriend would, would attest to that. She's like, ah, he's, he's going after Hang, some more pictures. Again. <laughs> he's, got the, he's got the hangry. What, uh, what kind of weightlifting do you do at, at 60 and, and beyond? Is it hypertrophy training or heavy weights? Well, I, I believe in a diversified portfolio of exercise, yeah. right? And so that's why I do um, a combination of, and, and I did three, four triathlons last year in addition to weight training. And I know I could have done better in the triathlon races had I just concentrated on doing swimming, biking, and running. But I'm playing the longer game now, which means I really want to make sure that I have um, as much muscle mass as I can as, as I age. But the, to answer your question, I don't do anything different now than I did, say, 20 years ago, other than I can't bang out um, 500 pull-ups in an hour. Uh, <laughs> in fact, in that same time frame, I did, there were some other kinds of attempts, like how many can you do in one, you know, just one hang on the bar? And I got up to like 45, 45 pull-ups in one set. And I probably could do half that now, um, you know, and maybe more if I really just focused on it, but it's not quite the same. But but to, to get, again, back to your question, what I prefer to do and what I'm doing right now is, uh, is three days a week of, of weights. I do one 
lower body um, leg day where all I do is legs. And then I do a push day and a full day of, of weight work. Okay. And I know, um, 20 years ago, those were strict pull-ups, right? You weren't doing that CrossFit kipping stuff. It wasn't the, it wasn't the kipping kind of pull-up. No, we, in fact, we had judges, right? And they have rules around what you can do and not do. I haven't seen what they're doing these days and who knows, but, but yeah, it wasn't, it was a, I would say a a fairly legit (laughs) pull-up. So we got obsessed with your body fat percentage and we glazed right over the book. Tell me about that. The concept of the book, is it, everything you've got poured into text uh, that we can follow along with, or is there a program to go with it? You know, I didn't want, I share my story in the book just for some context, but I don't want, and I didn't want the book to be just about me. So, you know, the, the purpose of the book is really to help people with this process to look and feel younger or better, however you want to look at it. And, and so really the way the way the book came about was when I got that, those pictures back after I turned 60 and that one that's on the cover was the one that, um, that really like, okay, wow, that's cool. That's, that's a nice shot because, because I'm kind of rotated. It, it gives, gives me more of an upper body look. And I just wanted to be able to share my story to be able to hopefully inspire anybody, um, but in particular men my in my age bracket, to to know that, you know, it's that we have agency, right, over how we age. And it's a choice. And you can still make at any age, you can still make choices to improve your your health, your function, um, your vitality and your and probably your life expectancy as well. Right. So that was that was the idea. I really wanted to be able to share the story. I like to write. Um, I've written some some articles and 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 I even mentioned I'd actually written a prior book, which um, I didn't market um, in, in the book. I, I, I call it it was called Live Well Beyond 120. And I took some of the chapters from that book and, and turned it into this book. And I took that book off the market because I didn't want people to be sort of you know, buy both and go, Hey, that was kind of a, you know, there was sort of a repeat there, but I rewrote everything. Um, and this is a much better written book than than the first book that that I did. And, and, and like I said, I didn't really attempt to market. I didn't do any podcast or anything like that for the first book. So my mom and, you know, a few other people. (laughs) (laughs) So taking advice for someone that looks like you is in my best interest. Um, if I'm looking to switch up my diet, what would you recommend? Uh, well, so one of the things that I am very much, um, not a believer of is, are these sort of extreme and dogmatic positions of this, um, diet is the only and right diet. Uh, I think there's a, a few principles that we can apply though. One is the further away that we get away from natural food, in other words, the food that nature provides, the more trouble we tend to end up being in. And one example would be fried foods. Um, fried foods are about as unnatural as you get because, you know, nature doesn't have a frying pot, you know, <laughs> a vat of boiling water oil. This is something that a human created. Um, so I don't, I, I very rarely, I had one French fry last night. My girlfriend had, you know, um, a pile of them and I had one. So, you know, it's, it is what you do 90% of the time that is most likely going to make the most difference. 
So that's one thing is let's try to stay as close to nature as possible. Um, protein is, is the, you know, I, I look to, to try to get at least 100 grams of protein a day. It's not really optional. Um, it's a necessary, no matter what kind of diet that you're on, you need to make sure that people are getting sufficient protein. And then thirdly, glucose control. So my father, um, three years ago, passed away from complications from diabetes, among other things. And my grandmother also um, passed away from uh, diabetes in her 60s. And even though I eat a very pristine diet by most people's standards, I'm insulin insufficient. And so that's a hereditary. So I'm not insulin resistant, right? My, it's, it's not like my pancreas is pumping out all this insulin and the cells are going, nah, I'm not interested. My pancreas is probably through the same thing that happens to type 1 diabetics through an autoimmune reaction is now producing not nearly very much insulin, which is probably what happened to my dad. I, I don't know for sure. I wish I did know. Um, but I was wearing a uh, glucose, continuous glucose monitor for about a month, a year ago, and I was shocked. I mean, it's just one of those things where you don't, I don't think you need to do it all the time, but to see the reaction and one of, one of my, uh, everyone has sort of an aha moment with, uh, when they're wearing a, a blood glucose. And, and, and I mentioned that I'm engineer, an engineer. So I'm sort of fascinated by all of this stuff anyway. How does the body do that? And all of this crazy stuff is going on inside of us and we don't, you know, we're not generally aware of it, but it was beef jerky. So I had a chunk of beef jerky and looking at my glucose, um, read it, read out and it's going crazy. And I'm like, what the heck? I thought this was, you know, um, protein. And come to find out that most beef jerkies are infused with sugar. Oh, wow. Right? Sugar is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I personally have moved to a very, um, well, zero is hard uh, or impossible because you get tricked all the time with sugar. But, you know, my, it's my intention to, to take, not take any sugar um, and as little carbohydrate as, as I can kind of get by with. And, one of the one of the tricks that we can use though is, is athletes is the other pathway for glucose to get into our into our muscles is exercise. So exercise stimulates the um, the channels that allow glucose to pass into the cell the same way that uh, insulin does. So it's it's okay if you're going to go out and, and do some cardiovascular work to to take some carbohydrate um, before the, the meal and likely you will be able to um, metabolize it and use it as part of that exercise and that won't impact your, your blood glucose. So, so those are the three principles that I would suggest. Um, you know, there's some you know, obvious low hanging fruit or, or no hanging fruit like sodas, right? Are really bad news. Um, I drink soda water um, and, and water, a tea um, and, 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 and I stay away from, you know, I haven't had any of those kind of, I go and, you know, I go buy a cup of black coffee over at the Quickie Mart and, uh, you know, I look at all of the, the stock that they've got in there and I just, you know, like the bear claws and all that kind of stuff. And, and that for me is a once a year kind of thing, right? Yeah. And then I remember why I don't do it. Because when you get off of it, you know, you, you, you can sense the reaction to it, right? And how you feel. Once a year, once sorry, one, once a year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm, I'm pretty disciplined. I, I mean, and I've gotten more, especially since, um, and I've been tracking my um, A1C, and, and you know, my A1C has been trending up and up and up. 
even though I was eating less and less, but it was really because of my pancreas. So I just have become, I just don't want the fate that I saw my father go through. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'd say you're incredibly disciplined. I mean, I'm lucky if I get away from sweets for a week. <laughs> so while you were talking, I wrote down three things. One of them you answered. I was going to ask if you'd ever used a continuous glucose monitor. You, you yeah. have. Um, the other one, the other two, one of them was uh, relationship advice. Never let a woman hear you say that she ate a pile of French fries. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the, <laughs> the last one, um, soda water. So I've recently made the switch to soda water. Um, do you, is it flavored? Is it one of those hint of hint of lime? Is it sugar, uh, not sugar, but uh, sweetened at all? Uh, you know, I don't care for the sweetened ones, even the artificial flavored sweetened ones. I kind of get what I need just from the carbonation. Yeah. Mm. If it's, if it's, if it's no carb, it's just some sort of like lime, you know, flavor, then, you know, some of those, but like, um, Perrier or, um, some of those kind of products. What yeah. I'm, what I'm really after. And yeah. I found I'm the same. I, you know, coming off of Dr. Pepper, I, I prefer the unsweetened. I don't like the aspartame taste. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the ones that taste more like TV static while someone's whispering the name of a fruit, you know, like a black cherry that you can barely taste. Those are pretty yeah, good. Exactly. <laughs> I found that that those helped me to stay away from alcohol. Really? Yeah, like it kind of gives me that same little sensation of drinking a beer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. So, the burn. Yeah. Yeah. They, they keep me off of the sodas, so I'll take yeah. them. Well, good deal. So uh, where can we learn more? Uh, ads at 60.com. Ads at 60.com. Uh, ABS8060.com is is the website. There's certainly links to the, the book. I'm, I'm on Instagram, Greg Damien at C, at um, Greg Damien abs at 60 is my uh, Instagram handle. I'm also easy to find on, on uh, Facebook. I'm a regular guy. Um, my, my goal this year really is, is just to influence, right? I, I want to be able to um, fill a few books. I do offer some coaching services if people are interested in that. Um, and at this point, uh, I still have a full-time job, so I can't take, you know, I'm not trying to be some of the, you know, there's some folks out there that are really dra- um, banging the drum and trying to drum clients, and uh, that's, that's great. It's, and, and maybe one day that's where I'll be as well. In fact, part of where I'm, where I'm going is just having conversations with folks like you guys and your audience, just letting people know who I am, right? And uh, if they're interested, then I'm sure we'd be happy to have a conversation with them. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, because of the nature of the show, I've got one parting question. Are you on TRT? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, I, I've talked about it um, in, in my book. Um, I was, if, if you'd like, I share the, the background on that. Yeah, background on that. sure. Yeah, sure. So uh, in 2007-ish, um, I was doing some volunteer work for one of my neighbors who happened to be, and this is just one of those life coincidences, the chairperson for the American College of Sports Medicine um, division on bone health. And, and they were particularly interested in bone health of, of athletes and triathletes. And they, uh, they asked me if I wanted to have a DEXA scan and um, be a part of their, you know, their data set. And I said, sure, why not? I didn't, you know, I didn't really even fully understand what they were doing. I had no idea that, um, in my mid-40s, bone health would even be something I'd need to be concerned about. 
Well, after the exam, the technician hands me the results and he says, well, I'm not a doctor, but I encourage you to talk to your doctor because you're trending towards the osteoporosis. I was osteopenic. So I, you know, I, I took that seriously and I went to go see my doctor and he did, he didn't tell me what he was doing, but he did some blood work and he, and his exact words were, aha, we found the smoking gun because my testosterone was below 200 nanograms per deciliter, right? Which is well below low. And, and, and it's like your bones are not healthy because you don't have enough um, testosterone in your system to, to actually build them to trigger the, the you know the uh, the formation of the bone, and and so I started doing I did a number of things, including starting on TRT, and I started with a, a cream and a gel um, back in those days, and um, I also started taking bone mineral supplements, uh, calcium, magnesium, boron, that sort of stuff. And, and I also started lifting weights. That's when I, when I actually started lifting weights because the, the best people, well, the people on the planet with the best bones are gymnasts and, and weightlifters mm-hmm. because those exercises, you guys know, um, stress the bone. Mm-hmm. Well, within a couple of years, my bone health actually returned to almost normal. So that was, that was really cool. They, they kept, um, uh, testing me every six months for a while, uh, and and then they ended up publishing a paper about my my experience and N of one right just the, just me as a separate you know case because they had the uh, the data and I was a willing a very willing subject, um, and I am grateful that I've been able to be on testosterone and obviously I expect to be on testosterone for the rest of my life. I don't see that. I mean, there's there's all sorts of crazy opinions and uh, attitudes about testosterone and TRT. And um, I, I don't, I, I consider it for a privilege to be able yeah. to be on a doctor prescribed testosterone for mm. the rest of my life. I think the stigma is improving too. And you definitely won't, won't find judgment from us or from any of our listeners. I mean, that's, that's literally we're educating on TRT every day. So um, no judgment here. Um, we understand that it, it takes well, it takes no bear claws for a year type discipline <laughs> to get where you are. So, yeah, we get it. Yeah. Well, cool. Maybe we'll see a abs at 75 book. <laughs> <laughs> Look at those abs, man. Yeah. Have you, crazy. have you started TRT yet? I got to go pick it up. <sighs> I actually, <laughs> I called. I've been waiting for them. They text me. And said they were waiting for confirmation like of the insurance. weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and I had to call them to tell them, like, this is not going to go through the insurance. Yeah. Um, was it like CVS or something yeah, local? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, they actually, I checked in on it um, Tuesday, and they said Thursday it would be ready. Okay. So I need to go pick it up. I'm going to use the good RX. Yeah. Yeah. Did sure. you check the prices with and without? No, I didn't it's even like want to look. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it saves you quite a bit of money. Yeah. Is is there any part of you that has delayed that because you're scared? No, I'm actually pretty excited. Uh, I Like I said last time, I have gotten a little more. I'm good at not thinking about something so that I don't get scared yeah. or nervous or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I have gotten a little bit more anxious about it, but. I'm really excited to get started. Good. Don't think about it. Just yeah. pick it up and get going. Just do it. 
Thank you for listening to the TRT Community Podcast. You can find us online at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TRT community. 